Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about all the special considerations for runners when they seek treatment for a plantar plate sprain. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. Sharp or aching pain in the ball of the foot can be distracting when you run. Although there are many conditions that can cause pain in the ball of the foot, there are only a few that are common among runners. Stress fractures are frequent and may be worrisome, but they differ from some other conditions like neuromas. And unlike stress fractures that often seem to be related to more diffuse pain, several conditions can be pinned down and you may notice the pain is really in a certain spot at the ball of the foot. And this is certainly true of plantar plate sprains. So if you're a runner and you have pain in the ball of the foot, there are really only a few conditions that could be causing the trouble. And this episode will be the second of a three-part series that explains all the things you need to think about if you're a runner seeking treatment for any of these problems. Last week, we talked about neuroma treatment in runners. And today, I'm going to explain a little bit about another condition, which is in almost the exact same location as neuroma. This is an injury to the plantar plate. The plantar plate is a small ligament on the bottom of the joints located at the ball of the foot. It's really just a thickening of the joint capsules there. And because the plantar plate is located between the heads of the metatarsal bones and the ground, you're basically standing on the plantar plate whenever you walk or run. Now, if this ligament becomes sprained, it can be very painful. Now, oftentimes runners and even some doctors will confuse a plantar plate sprain with a Morton's neuroma. So if you think you have an aroma, but you actually have a plantar plate sprain, you're not likely to get better because the treatment for an aroma will not heal the plantar plate. The treatments are different. So as we often talk about, one of the most important things to do is to make sure that you have the right diagnosis as soon as you start to have pain. And the stakes are higher for runners. The longer it takes to heal your injury, the more fitness you will lose, the weaker you will get, the stiffer you will get, and the longer you have to stop running, the more risk you become of suffering chronic recurring injuries once you start running again. As we already talked about, an aroma is a nerve issue. A plantar plate sprain is a ligament issue. They're different tissues and they have different solutions. Now, to explain a little bit more about the anatomy, you know, the bones in your toes, which are the, the phalanges, they're connected to the bones of the foot, and those are called the metatarsals at the joints that are appropriately called the metatarsophalangeal joints. So these bones are held together and they form the the ball of the foot. And the way that they move is that they're connected by a number of soft tissue attachments, including the joint capsule, which holds the fluid in the joint to provide lubrication. And then there are ligaments that keep the joint stable. The toes mostly move up and don't usually move very far down. And as a result, the structures on the bottom of the metatarsal phalangeal joints are much more prone to stress, strain, and injury than those on the top of the foot. So when you get this condition, the pain hurts on the bottom. The most significant structure on the bottom of these joints is the thick reinforcing area that we call the plantar plate. Now, whenever you move or you force the toes upward, such as when you stand up on your toes, the plantar plate resists this movement. And stress fractures result from increasing you know, the duration of impact faster than the bones can develop the strength to withstand that impact. In a similar way, the soft tissues that support the bones can also become injured if they're overused. For example, if a runner becomes, let's say a runner becomes concerned about the impact of running and starts cross-training excessively, then you can actually get an injury. Elliptical trainers are common culprits for this. Now, the best feature of an elliptical trainer is that it's very, very low impact. There's no pounding uh, force when you use an elliptical trainer. 
The worst part of an elliptical trainer is that with every swing on the trainer, the athlete's foot is basically put in an unnatural position that puts a great deal of pressure on the ball of the foot as the foot swings backward and the heel comes up off the foot plate. Now with all the repeated forcing of this uh, motion where you're up on your toes, the plantar plate on the bottom of the foot can become stressed to the point that it develops very little tears within the plantar plate itself. And if it's not rested and allowed to heal, these can get worse. When most runners come to see me with this problem, they will describe pain in the ball of the foot that is significantly worse on an elliptical trainer or when walking barefoot on hard surfaces such as tile. It may ache after a run, but usually doesn't hurt that much during a run on flat ground. They'll also usually describe a sensation of fullness in the ball of the foot, which they may or may not recognize as like really noticeable swelling. There's almost never any particular recall of how it began. You know, sometimes it's just been getting worse for a while. Uh, it appears that the second toe is just sitting a little bit higher than the third toe. That actually might indicate a weakness in the plantar plate, uh, but it could be related to swelling. But if you have weakness in the joint supporting structures on the bottom of the foot, the toe can sit a little bit higher, even up off the ground where it's not even touching the ground. Now, if the inflammation is allowed to continue, these structures just become weaker. And with chronic application of force, doing the same workouts, repeatedly forcing the toes up through the backswing of the elliptical trainer, for example, the plantar plate can get worse and it can tear completely. Then the toe dislocates. Fortunately, I've only seen this scenario one time. The patient came into the office and his second toe was pointing straight up at the ceiling and it was sitting on top of the metatarsal. He was in excruciating pain and it required immediate surgery to reposition the toe and repair the torn structures, including the plantar plate. Now, all of this, of course, is preventable. Now, just remember, you know, cross training is good, but it is possible to overdo any type of training, including cross training. Now, elliptical trainers may be great and they come highly recommended, but you have to resist the temptation to set it at a really steep angle to try to decrease the amount of time required to get a solid workout. Although the setting, uh, the machine can make it tougher and shorter, it places more and more stress on the plantar plate the steeper the angle is. So you, you want to do the same thing on your treadmill. So try to keep treadmills flat and don't put them at a really steep angle to try to increase the force of the workout so you can shorten your workouts. Now, if you ever start to notice sharp pain or aching pain in the ball of the foot, you want to get it checked out right away and you need to seek treatment as early as you can if you really want to continue to train and participate in your goal race. When you read about plantar plate injuries and you're trying to sort this out, you may get confused simply because it is described by several different names. You may hear it described as any of the following, a plantar plate sprain, a torn plantar plate, a ruptured plantar plate, capsulitis, synovitis, or predislocation syndrome. To help you understand the terminology a little bit better, We'll briefly outline the anatomy on the ball of the foot in just a little bit more detail. The little toe joints are each comprised of a metatarsal bone and a proximal phalanx bone. And the proximal phalanx bone is the first of three bones in each of the little toes. The five metatarsal bones are the long bones in the foot, and it's actually the head of the metatarsal that points down at the ground at the ball of the foot and takes all the pressure when you stand, walk, or run. Now, if we start at the ground and work our way up, you see the skin is covering a thick protective fat pad, and the fat pad is your natural cushioning material for the ball of the foot. If you keep going upward, the next thing, as you get toward the little toe joint, you find the plantar plate and the intermetatarsal ligament. The intermetatarsal ligament connects and stabilizes the foot by binding the metatarsal bones together. The intermetatarsal ligament prevents your foot from splaying out like a duck when you stand up and put pressure on your foot. 
The bones are then connected with a tough fibrous joint capsule which attaches the metatarsal and the proximal phalanx. And the joint capsule is lined with synovial tissue that actually makes the synovial fluid that lubricates the joint and supplies nutrients to the cartilage inside the toe joints. The toe joint capsule is reinforced with a thick ligament called the plantar plate. The plantar plate stabilizes the joint and helps hold the toe down against the ground when you run up a steep slope or push off with the ball of the foot. And when you get an injury to the plantar plate, it can be described by a bunch of different names. The first thing you may hear is a plantar plate sprain, and a sprain is where there are tiny little tears involving some of the collagen fibers or bundles of collagen within a tendon or ligament. A grade 1 sprain is where there are little bitty tears, but the ligament is still basically intact. This is the equivalent to an overstretched rubber band. If you stretch a rubber band and then you hold it up to the light, you can see little areas where there's a tear within the inside of the rubber band. This is analogous to most plantar plate sprains. Another term that you may hear is a torn plantar plate. Now, if you imagine cutting the edge of the rubber band with some scissors or a knife, and then you stretch it out and you look at it, you'd see a cut or a rip in the edge of the rubber band. And obviously it's weaker now. And a torn plantar plate is basically a partially torn ligament. In some cases, the doctors may tell you that you have a completely ruptured plantar plate, and in this case, it implies that the tear is full thickness and extends all the way through the ligament and the underlying joint capsule. Now, typically, these have a lot of swelling because it's a significant injury, and the fluid inside the joint is leaking out through that split in the plantar plate and the joint capsule, and it's leaking out into the ball of the foot, and then it causes swelling in the bottom of the foot. Capsulitis is another term that you may hear, and the plantar plate, as we discussed, is really just a thickening of the joint capsule. So if you stretch the plantar plate enough to cause a partial tear, it's easy to understand you'd probably have irritated and stretched the underlying joint capsule. When the joint capsule gets stretched out and irritated and inflamed, it's referred to as capsulitis. Basically, capsulitis is just one of the more minor forms of a plantar plate injury. Synovitis is another term you may hear, and it's similar to capsulitis. The inside of the joint capsule is lined with synovial tissue. That makes the synovial fluid that lubricates the joint and nourishes the cartilage. Anytime you have capsulitis, you'll also likely have an associated case of synovitis, and because of that, they're really just kind of basically the same. Predislocation syndrome is a term coined by a famous podiatrist, Dr. Gerard Yu, and um, one of the um, papers that's basically required reading for foot and ankle surgery residents in this country, Dr. Yu explained that in order for a toe to become dislocated hammer toe, the plantar plate has to become stretched out, weaker, and even ruptured before the toe can dislocate. For that reason, he explained that any injury to the plantar plate can be considered pre-dislocation syndrome because left untreated, the condition can continue to progress and result in a worsening injury with complete rupture of the ligament and dislocation of the toe that requires surgery for repair. One of the most important points of this entire discussion is that if a plantar plate sprain is left untreated, it will cause chronic inflammation in the joint, which will lead to damage and weakening of the collagen in the plantar plate. So if not controlled and appropriately treated, this condition will almost certainly get worse over time. Many times patients will call me and they'll say they were diagnosed with a condition called metatarsalgia. But don't be fooled. Metatarsalgia is a symptom, not a diagnosis. Algia means pain. And so when we say you have metatarsalgia, that just says you have pain somewhere in the ball of the foot near the metatarsals. So if you've been told that you have metatarsalgia by a foot surgeon, to me that's the equivalent of a neurologist telling you you have been diagnosed with a headache. There's a big difference between a headache caused by a migraine versus a brain tumor versus a concussion versus a tension headache. If you don't have the true diagnosis, it's very difficult to believe you're going to get the correct treatment. 
So how can it heal when you get one of these plantar plate injuries? You're listening to the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Is it possible to keep running even if I have a stress fracture? How can I tell if I really have a neuroma without seeing a doctor? How can I tell if I have a stress fracture without getting x-rays? What can I do to help my plantar plate heal without losing all of my fitness? What are all the tricks Dr. Segler uses with elite athletes to keep them running? Whenever I see a runner in person, I walk them through the diagnosis process and I actually show them how to figure out whether they have a plantar plate sprain or a neuroma or a stress fracture. Then I just show them how to reduce the stress on that one injured structure so you can stay active and get back to running and not lose all your fitness. After sitting down with individual runners over and over guiding them through this process, I realized I could just put the same information in a video course and show you exactly how I do this so you can do the same thing right now in your own home. This course taught me exactly how I could tell whether or not I had a plantar plate sprain. This course showed me how I could decrease the stress on my metatarsals so I could keep working out. When my doctor told me I needed to stop running, I knew that was crazy. The Ball of Foot Pain course helped me look at it differently so I could keep running. Sign up for the Ball of Foot Pain course for runners so you can get back to running. All right, welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. So how can it heal when you get one of these plantar plate injuries? Well, as we talked about when we discussed all the different names for the plantar plate sprain, there are two basic problems. One is injury to the collagen in a ligament. The second problem is inflammation. If you want to heal as quickly as possible, you need to do something to shut off the inflammation and then stabilize and protect the toe enough that the collagen can start to repair any damage and heal the injured ligament. So how can you stop the inflammation? Well, the first thing is ice. Applying ice is one of the oldest treatments of musculoskeletal injuries. Ice can certainly reduce inflammation, reduce swelling, and decrease pain. The only problem with applying an ice pack to the ball of the foot is that there's a significant fat pad cushion just under the skin. The fat pad is what cushions your skin when you step on it with the metatarsal bones. But fat is not only cushioning, it's also great insulation. Fat is the reason whales can swim in Arctic seas. So if you apply an ice pack to the ball of your foot, it will make the skin feel better, but it won't actually do much to reduce the inflammation in the plantar plate. A better routine than icing is the contrast bath soak routine. With this routine, you're alternating hot water and cold water submersions of the foot to shut off the inflammatory response. This routine is very effective. We will put a link in the show notes so that you can access the video showing you exactly how to perform the contrast bath routine and reduce the inflammation. Another thing that patients will always wonder about is is NSAIDs or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. And these are some of the most commonly consumed medications on the planet. Ibuprofen is probably the most well-known of these. And I think ibuprofen is actually the one over-the-counter medication that's consumed more than any other in the United States. But there are others, including naproxen and some other anti-inflammatories, but they all work in a similar way. And although these medications are available over-the-counter and you don't need a prescription to buy them, they're still powerful medications. If you take them at high doses, they will reduce the inflammation. The problem is that non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs have been shown in studies to reduce the healing of tendon-to-bone junctions. And since the plantar plate is basically a ligament that connects two bones via a ligament made of collagen, you may slow down the healing if you take NSAIDs when you're trying to heal it. So it can make it feel better, but it may slow the healing. Corticosteroids are basically more powerful versions of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, but they have lots more side effects. Some people who take them may feel... 
uh, anxious, they may have fluctuations in their blood sugar, they might have anxiety or difficulty sleeping. But as a foot and ankle surgeon who treats runners, my primary concern with taking these medications when you have a plantar plate sprain is that the corticosteroids weaken the collagen bonds. Since the basic problem with the plantar plate sprain is that some of the collagen bundles and fibers have been damaged or torn, it seems silly to take a medication that could actually make the collagen bonds weaker. Some doctors will actually inject the joint capsule with corticosteroids in order to shut off the inflammatory response. Now, this treatment is extremely effective at reducing the pain, but it is extremely risky for runners. If you put powerful corticosteroids right into the joint where the joint capsule and plantar plate have been partially torn, it is entirely possible that the corticosteroids will reduce the inflammation leading to a more significant tear in the joint capsule and the plantar plate. If this happens, you might have to have surgery to repair the plantar plate. The only circumstance where I would consider injecting an athlete, particularly a runner with a plantar plate sprain, is if you had a lifetime goal that you've been trying to achieve and you suffered this injury, but you still hope to get through the race. For example, if you've been trying to qualify for Ironman Hawaii for 10 years and then you get a plantar plate sprain a couple of weeks before the race, well, we would talk about this, but it, what I would do with most people is I would inject it and let you do the race. Of course, I would explain that this could cause a significant risk of a much worse injury later, but if your goal is really just to do Ironman Hawaii, this risk may be well worth it since you've been trying for a decade to get into the Ironman World Championships. Well, the take-home message in this is that the contrast baths are likely the best, lowest-risk method of reducing the inflammation when you have a plantar plate sprain. So once you get rid of the inflammation, though, you need to let the thing heal. And to get the plantar plate injury to heal, you basically have to keep it still long enough that the collagen can form and bridge the gaps where it's been injured. There are a gazillion different recommendations and treatment options that will decrease the stress to the plantar plate. You can use stiff shoes that have a steep rocker to the forefoot. You can wear a fracture walking boot. You can cast the foot in a fiberglass cast. You could use crutches or wheelchair. You could wear custom orthotics to take the pressure off the area and stabilize your foot. Or you could even do something as simple as taping the toe to stabilize the plantar plate. As I've often mentioned, I believe doctors treating runners should keep one primary idea in mind. Unless there's a specific race for which the injury must be healed, it is better to keep the athlete active, training, fit, and even running whenever possible. So with that end in mind, I think doctors should consider the least invasive, least disruptive, and least restricting method of treatment. So with that end in mind, I think doctors should consider the least invasive, least disruptive, and least restricting method of treatment. For that reason, I most often have patients begin with a relatively treatment regimen and then see if it will help it improve. And the simplest treatment is just to tape the plantar plate. The plantar plate is a small ligament that reinforces the bottom of the joint capsule at the ball of the foot. And when you sprain this ligament, the ball of the foot can be sore and ache when you walk. One of the best ways to decrease the stress to an injured plantar plate ligament is to tape the foot so the ligament is stabilized and it can heal. I've created a video that actually will show you how to tape the plantar plate at the ball of the foot when the plantar plate is sprained. The first thing you need to do is get the correct type of tape. The very best tape for this is called tensoplast or elastoplast. Now it's, it's good because it stretches when you walk and with tensoplast tape the toe can flex slightly without getting irritated. You should order one roll of tape that is one inches wide by five yards in length. Now, if you get the right tape, you're going to take it and you're going to cut a piece of tape to the correct length using your hand as a reference. The correct amount of tape will reach from the tip of your middle finger to the base of your palm. Now, next, you'll cut the piece of tape into two equal-sized pieces. You want to just cut the piece of tape lengthwise, splitting it right down the middle. 
take one of the two pieces and place it um, back on the roll and save it for, for use later tomorrow. Now you're ready to tape the toe and help the planter plate heal. Take the piece of tape and center it on the top of the second toe. You should place the tape between the foot and the last knuckle in the toe. And the tape should be right at the base of the toe. So wrap one strand around the toe, pull down slightly to create a little bit of tension in the tape, and then stick the tape across the ball of the foot so it's in place on the bottom of the foot under the little toe joint. Then you take the other strand and you wrap it the opposite direction around the toe, wrap it around the toe in the opposite direction, pull down slightly to create some tension in the tape, and then this strand will cross over the other as you stick the tape across the ball of the foot so that it's in place on the bottom of the foot under the big toe joint. If placed correctly and looking at the bottom of the foot, the tape's going to look kind of like a breast cancer awareness ribbon. And with the tape in this position, the pressure on the tape when you walk will keep the toe secure. There should be just enough tension on the tape that the second toe is pulled down slightly lower than the third toe. This amount of tension on the tape will decrease the tension on the plantar plate at the bottom of the second toe joint and it's going to help it heal. You should keep the tape on 24 hours a day to protect the plantar plate as the sprain heals. You can change the tape if the adhesive wears out and isn't sticking to the bottom of the foot. If your skin becomes irritated, of course, discontinue the tape immediately. And don't tape the toe if you have an allergy to tape or adhesives. Now, hopefully this will help you heal fast and get back to running. So the big question is how long is this going to take? Well, the length of time it will take to heal a plantar plate sprain can vary widely. If you have a minor sprain, you ice it immediately and you tape it consistently, it could heal in just a couple of weeks. But just so you can understand the worst case scenario, I'll tell you about a patient I actually treated who I thought would never heal. She was a totally healthy young woman. She got a relatively minor plantar plate sprain that was hurting when she ran and went on for several weeks before she sought treatment. Not surprisingly, it got worse during this time. So initially, we tried taping the toe and doing contrast baths to reduce the inflammation, but she wasn't getting better. So then we progressed to a fracture walking boot. She fluctuated up and down in terms of her symptoms in the fracture walking boot, and this went on for several weeks. Then she actually disclosed to me that she had to go on business trips to the East Coast every couple of weeks. She had to present cases to the FDA. And because she was presenting cases to the FDA, she didn't want any appearance of weakness. So she would take off the fracture walking boot when she was doing her presentations. After she continued to worsen, I recommended that she use the fracture walking boot 24 hours a day and also use crutches and not walk on the foot at all. She started to improve. But then she went to do a presentation. She took off the fracture walking boot and left her crutches in the hotel room. She got worse again. At that point, I saw her and I told her that she should just forget about it, that she shouldn't call me and waste her money with me coming over to look at it, and I recommend that she just continue to walk on it and let it get worse until such time as it was convenient for her to have surgery. Because at that point, I just didn't believe she could actually maintain the routine with the crutches and the boot consistently enough to actually heal. Well, eventually her job changed, and she didn't have to go do these presentations anymore. So then she used the fracture walking boot and the crutches for about a month, and the ligament completely healed. Well, truthfully, I was shocked. I thought she would have to have surgery. But the bottom line is that it took about 18 months for her to actually fully heal. So the moral of the story here is that you don't want to monkey around with this. You want to try some simple things and see if it will improve. But if it's not improving quickly, you want to do something more aggressive consistently right away. Now that you understand a little bit about the plantar plate injuries and the significance of them, you should ask your doctor three questions whenever you go to seek treatment for pain in the ball of the foot. Number one, how do you know for sure that I don't have one of these other conditions that can cause pain in the ball of the foot? Second question is, how can I maintain my running fitness while this injury heals? The third question is, 
are there any creative strategies or advanced treatments that may speed the healing? So runners are more active and they have to hold their doctors to a higher standard. And after all, if you have a plantar plate injury, your ultimate goal is to keep running. So you have to make sure that the treatment the doctor offers you is the best path to achieving that goal. And one of the things you have to think about is surgery. And there is a lot of risk with plantar plate surgery in runners. Surgery is risky. Pain, bleeding, infection, nerve entrapment, painful scarring, those are just a few of the commonly mentioned risks of plantar plate surgery. In fact, almost every surgical consent form I have ever read actually mention possibility of death as a risk. But there are some subtle risks to runners that are not as frequently mentioned. Scar formation is a very real risk. If we cut the skin, you're going to get a scar. That's just the way it works. Some doctors prefer to make a large S-shaped incision when they surgically repair the plantar plate. And this incision does give the most exposure, but it also can cause a bigger scar. The hope with that is that since the thing kind of curves around the bottom of your foot, that most of the scar is going to be in an area where you're not going to have pain. There's another way, though, and that's to make a straight incision on the bottom of the foot. And Dr. Mary Crawford is the former president of the American College of Foot and Ankle Surgeons, and she is definitely one of the most respected foot surgeons on the planet. And when I was lecturing on this topic about runners one time, she actually commented during the lecture, and she said that she virtually never gets a problem with a straight linear scar directly under the plantar plate. Although it's counterintuitive, for some reason, surgical repairs in this particular area don't really seem to cause a problem very often. The only exception to that, she says, is that she's had some patients who develop complications, but only if they're smokers. In spite of this fact, it still makes me quite nervous when I do surgery on the bottom of any runner's foot just because I don't want them to get a painful scar. Not surprisingly, I've had patients ask me, are there any guarantees with plantar plate surgery? And the answer is yes, there are two guarantees. Number one, you're going to get a scar. Number two, you're going to get a bill, but that's it. There are no guarantees you'll be running pain-free after plantar plate surgery. So the final thoughts to think about when you have a plantar plate sprain is that, you know, if you're a runner, it's actually more important to you than the average person that you choose the best treatment. Surgically repairing the plantar plate is not always the best choice if you want to keep running, but once you've made the choice to have plantar plate surgery, you can't go back. Once you have surgery, the anatomy has been altered and the rules have changed. Once you understand the full implications of plantar plate surgery and you have considered all the other treatment options, surgery may in fact be the right choice for you but only if you have tried everything short of surgery to fix a problem. It's critical that you discuss all the non-surgical options with your surgeon before you have plantar plate surgery or any other risky, invasive, and potentially harmful treatment such as a corticosteroid injection. Above all else, make sure that your doctor understands that you are a runner and you want to keep running. Explain the types of races you run, how many miles per week you run, and the amount of training required for those races so your doctor can take your desire for high-level running into consideration and then determine which treatment is best for you. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me. And then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.